This morning, I want to get right into our word this morning. As you can see on the screen, my message uh, title today is Chosen. And, 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 and let me just give you a backstory of why it's this message. I, I preached uh, out of this text a few years ago, and, and uh, one of the things that really has, has really uh, touched my heart over the last couple of weeks is I, I believe that we live in a time when there are people today that are battling, for lack of a better word, let me just say that they're battling with an inferiority complex. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is that there are people that look at Elder Eddie, Deacon Dan, and you see blessings that they enjoy, and yet you sit there and think, but they are better than I am. They have it all together and I don't. And why would God do anything for me? Uh, because I, you know, I fail him at every opportunity. I, you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? You struggle with that at times? Uh, I, I know my own personal journey of faith. I mean, there have been times, and I've been very transparent all of my ministry here at Bethel with some of the struggles that I have. And I'll be honest, this year with some of the health things that I'm experiencing, again, for the first time, and I'm not making, you know, obviously there are people that have more serious things going on than what I do. But for someone who's never ventured into this realm before, and thank the Lord I've been healthy for all of my life, uh, there have been times where I have been, and I've shared this with you, I've been in such pain that I literally have laid on the couch and like, God, why aren't you doing something? I don't understand why you would do something. And, and I've even played the dad card. You remember Jesus said one time, he said, hey, if you being evil know how to do good things for your children, how much more does your heavenly father delight in doing good things? How many, you know that story? So, so here's what I say. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting so bad. I'm in such pain. I wouldn't do that to my son. Anybody ever prayed something like that? Come on, I'll be honest. I'm just telling you, that's how I felt. God, I wouldn't do that to my boy. I mean, if, if there was any way I could take pain from my children, I would do that. And I don't understand why I'm here suffering and, 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 and have no relief. That's where this message came out of. That's where this message came out of. Because I believe that we live in a time where we, say, we see tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy we deal with crisis upon crisis upon crisis, and sometimes we scratch our head and we think, man, God, where are you? How many's ever, pray, how many's ever prayed a prayer and you wondered, did it make heaven? Did it get there? Well, that's where I'm at today. So Deuteronomy chapter 7, Moses is talking to a new generation of believer. He said, for you are holy, verse 6, for you are, are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep an oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Let's get right into it this morning. Again, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling before. Anybody would care to admit, say, you know, I've been there. I've wondered, I've been in a situation where I wondered, God, do you really know where I'm at? Do you really hear and understand what's going on? That's where this message is birthed from, because I believe that we live in a time today that we got to understand things are not going to get better in our world, they're going to get worse. The Bible talks about the perilous times. It talks about the encroaching darkness that we have in our, in our time right now. And I wish I could stand here and tell you that the midterm elections are going to change things. It's not. Again, I don't care which side of the aisle wins. It's still not going to change things because men are choosing to call good evil and evil good. That's where we are. And, and, and I, again, I, I, I think that there are people that are struggling today because in this world, you know, we're, we're, doing, we're experiencing exactly what Jesus said. In the world, we're having tribulation. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have good days, and you're going to have not-so-good days. You're going to have good experiences, and you're going to have some not-so-good experiences. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can start measuring our value, our worth to God by the experiences that we have because we, we start thinking, well, if I was really valuable, God, you wouldn't allow this to happen to me. Or I look at Deacon Dan or Elder Eddie or Sunday School Sally, and they seem to be uh, prospering and blessed of the Lord and highly favored, and I'm, I'm over here just languishing in my journey. How many of you remember being in elementary school, and you might come in just a tad, 
you're, you're in elementary school, and, and I don't know how it is in modern, in modern times, but when I was in elementary school, we would break for re- recess. We'd go outside, we'd get out on the playground, and then we would divide up in teams for a particular sport. It might be dodgeball. Uh, you know, I think that's illegal nowadays, but I enjoy dodgeball. I mean, there, there are a few people that I really enjoyed smacking with the ball. I'm telling you, it's just, I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> just, that's just being real. But, but you would divide up into teams. And, and, and so what they would do is they'd get you out there, and then out of the group, they would select two people to be team captains. Now, I don't know if your experience is like this, but those two captains were typically the most, the most popular people in the class, Right? They, they were the most popular people in class. And then they would get up front and they would look out at the team or out at the, the kid, the rest of the kids, and they would start picking those kids to be on their team. Now, do you remember how you longed to be picked first? I mean, there was something inside of you that said, pick me. Pick me. You wanted to be first. Because if you were picked first, it meant that two things. It meant, number one, that you were liked and that you were good. No one wanted to be picked last. Anybody, don't, don't raise your hand. Anybody ever been picked last? <laughs> Nobody wanted to be picked last. Because if you were picked last, it means two things. It means, again, if you were picked first, it meant you were popular and you were good. If you were picked last, what does that tell you? It tells you you're not popular, <laughs> you're not liked, and you're not very good. Nobody wanted to be picked last. In fact, uh, no one wanted to be last. In fact, most of the kids that were there would probably, hey, you remember? Pick me, pick me, pick me. Did, did they do that in your class? They did it in mine. Pick me, pick me, pick me. No one likes to be last. No one likes to be, uh, to, to be dis, uh, dismissed as being unimportant or, or not of contributing to the... They, don't, they want to be popular. Everybody wants to be popular. Listen, have you ever felt that feeling before of being picked last? Yes. Being left out? Not even being considered? Here's the thing. As we grow up, it doesn't really change much. As we grow up, it doesn't really change. Those experiences don't disappear. In every level of society, listen to me, there is an in-crowd... And then there's everybody else. There are those that are seeming, you know, if you read some of Paul's writings, Paul said when he went back to Jerusalem after 14 years out, he said, I went to those who seemed to be something. Seemed to be something. You know, again, understand that uh, as we grow up, the experiences are the same. The feelings are the same. Now, we have different, I'm not talking about being picked for a playground, but, but life has those things that we get chosen for. And everybody wants to be in the in crowd. We, we might call them cliques today, but rest assured, the feelings of someone not being included are just as painful today as they were in elementary class. That's why every church has to do a good job of, uh, I, I preached, a, I did a youth sermon one time years ago, and we talked about making shirts, and we never did, but I, I taught them on what an amoeba was. And my title was Be an Amoeba. And an amoeba is one of those things that just sucks in. If you get close to an amoeba, it's going to reach out and grab you and suck you into it, and you become part of the whole. Every church has to be like that. Every group within the church has to be like that. That's not what this is about, but I'm saying we understand those feelings. If you've ever been picked last, you know what it, uh, what it does to you and your psyche and your emotions. You think about today, we have so many people that fear, feel inferior. They feel like they don't deserve God's best. And the truth of the matter is we don't. (laughs) We really don't. But he does it anyway. He does it anyway. In our text this morning, Israel is about to enter into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And remember, they're wandering in the wilderness because of the rebellion of the previous generation. You see, they grew up hearing about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They grew up hearing about the promises of God and this promised land and, and how they were chosen by God. But their experiences up to this point, probably brought, excuse me, brought that into question. Again, how would you like to be heard, uh, to be taught all your life? You're chosen by God. You're a special people. He chose you out of all the nations of the earth to be set apart, and yet you're walking around the wilderness watching your loved ones die off one at a time. Kind of brings that into question, right? I mean, 
I, I, I told the early service, I said, it's kind of like Gideon. Remember Gideon? Gideon's greeted by an angel. He said, hey, mighty man of valor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, where did he say that? He was hiding out in a cave because he was afraid to show his face. The enemy was strong. The enemy kept sending those patrols in to d- disrupt and destroy. And so he's hiding out in the cave, and the angel appears to him and says, mighty man of valor. And he's like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't understand. And I love what he says. He's, you know, if, if God's for us, Remember what he said? He asked the question, where are all the miracles? If God is for us, where are all the miracles? Again, I'm sure that the children of Israel, as Moses is trying to explain to them what's going on, that I'm sure they're thinking, man, if this is what it means to be chosen, I think I'll pass. I think I'll pass. If it means watching my loved ones die one at a time, if it means suffering trials and tribulations and persecutions, if, that what it is, if that's what it means to be chosen of God, I think I'll pass. When I was being prepped for the, my procedure on Wednesday, the nurse doing the questionnaire, she said, uh, she's asking me a series of questions. She said, I just got another question. Are you allergic to anything? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what is that? And I said, pain. <laughs> she laughed. I wasn't laughing. I was serious as a heart attack. <laughs> Don't like pain. There was a point to that, and it just went right out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when you're hurting, it's, all, you often, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to say, I'm chosen of God. Listen, the thing is, we understand that God can do anything. Listen, I hope you do anyway. I believe that God can raise the dead, heal the sick, open blind eyes. I've, I've seen incredible miracles in, our, in, in, in the 30-plus years of ministry. I've seen incredible things. But when I'm hurting on the couch, crying out in pain, I'm wondering, God, where are you? If, if, I'm, if I'm chosen and if I'm one of your sons, I wouldn't do that to my son. I wouldn't allow him to suffer and hurt. If I could do anything to take away, how many parents would do that? We would, we would take away the pain of our children if we could. I play that card. <laughs> I'm being transparent with you today. See, that's what's going on. Moses is preparing them for their long-awaited promised land, and he preaches a series of messages to them. Deuteronomy means second law. Second law. And so he's, he's restating God's law to them and the commitments that he made. You see, why why is he doing that? Well, this generation needed to understand that God will be with them just like he was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They needed to understand that even though they were living in some very terrible times and they're watching their loved ones die, uh, every day there were probably some that died. They're watching this unfold before their eyes. He just wanted them to know that just like he was with previous generations, he'll be with you today. You see, they were going to, when they moved into the promised land, they were going to face some very intense challenges ahead. And they needed to know. They needed to know that God was faithful and that God is trustworthy. And you know, if you fast forward to where we are today on November the 13th, 2022, we are that generation today that needs that reminder. Because we're living in some perilous times, as Paul said. These are dark days, and again, I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom, but I'm telling you, if your hope is, is the midterms are going to change things or not, if you're hoping for two years of gritting it out until we get another election and we can do something different, if you're hoping that that's going to bring change, it's not. The Bible says in these days, these dark days, iniquity will abound, and in fact, we are at that point right now. We see the encroaching darkness. Our society has lost its ever-loving mind. We're calling good evil and evil good. And if you hold to biblical values and morality, you're being, listen, you're being labeled today as extremists, bigots, and even worse. We live in a time when the left of our country have called for the disruption of Christians, their everyday lives, in an attempt, listen to what they're doing, they attempt to shame us into silence. If you stand up and you talk about biblical values and you talk about biblical morality they're going to try to shame you and silence you. How many times have you seen for a call for a boycott of someone like a baker because their Christian convictions wouldn't allow them to bake a cake to celebrate a, a, a holy union and a marriage of a same-sex couple, and yet they're labeled as a bigot and intolerant and extremist, and they want to be driven out of business. We're living in those times. 
The sad reality is it's not going to get any better. Listen, oh, there might be a respite here and a respite there, but things are going to get rough. And I think that's why God just prompted me today. This, this message is important for this time. As God was with the generations before us, God will be with us now. You look back at your, if you have a Christian heritage, you look back at your father and your mother and your grandfather and your grandmother and on down through generations, people that had lineages of faith. As God was with them, he'll be with you. If you're a first generation, I want you to understand around you are clouds of witnesses of people who've experienced the goodness of God and it is a generational thing that God has been faithful in the past and God will be faithful. And you need to hear that reminder today. Again, we, you might be right now, you may be sitting here, maybe you're watching online this morning, you might be engaged in the fight of your life right now. Maybe you're facing a crisis unlike anything you've ever experienced before. When you look around, all you see are more challenges and more hurt and more heartache. And you wonder, God, are you really there? Am I truly chosen of you? And you struggle with that. We wonder, God, are you really for us? You see, Moses wanted them to understand that God was with them no matter how frightening the future was. He was saying, God will be with you every step of the way. From the first call to Abram, when he called him out of his land, the land of the Chaldees to go to a place that he would show him and give him an inheritance that would be perpetual throughout all generations. This thing going on in the Middle East right now, listen, God gave that land to the, to, to the Jews, to Abraham. It has been a land perpetually for those generations. It is still their land, and God will come and give them the complete. Listen, they don't even have a sliver of what God promised them. But one day God will restore Listen, in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas. Kind of hard to believe, right? Anybody got their shopping all done yet? Hey, they've been advertising Christmas since September. What's taking you so long? <laughs> but here's the thing. In a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. What does Christmas uh, denote for us? As a believer, it lets us know that God became one of us. God, the incarnation, God, the Word became flesh, became one of us. Why did he become one of us? He came to do what we, he came to do for us what we are incapable of doing for ourselves. We were born in sin and we needed a savior. And so Jesus came, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom, okay? Basically he came to pay the debt. He came to pay the debt. If you've seen these videos uh, that circulate through social media sometimes, you'll see, you'll see random strangers going up and buying somebody's coffee or paying for the car behind them in a drive-thru, paying for their meal. Well, something on a grander scale than even that, God sent his son to pay a price for me and for you because I couldn't pay it. And have you, let me ask you, knowing and understanding that, have you ever asked yourself, why would he do that? Why, why would he do that? I mean, I, I, why would the son of God lay aside all of his divine prerogatives, why would he become one of us to pay the price for our sin? It's mind-boggling, right? It's really something that's incomprehensible. There are so many things in life that baffle us. This is one of those things. Why would God come to earth to die on an old rugged cross for me and for you? And I studied that. I thought about that. I prayed about that. And the only answer I can come up with is this, just because. Just because he loves me. That's it. Why would he give his life to die in my place? Again, there's nothing in me. There's nothing in me that merits, merits heaven's greatest treasure. Why would he do that? Well, very simple. Just because he loves me. And here's the thing. A couple things about this. Number one, he chose me. He chose me. We didn't choose him. I want you to think about this. If you're saved this morning, if you're born again, you've got to, it's hard for us to understand all of the work that went behind the scenes to get you to that place of decision. He chose me. He chose you. Listen, when, while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. While I was still languishing in my sin, Andre Crouch one time was talking about the song. I love that. I love the little story when he was a little boy. They would sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And he said, Mom, what's a wretch? We were all wretches, lost and undone and in our sin. 
But while we were yet sinners, without any guarantee that Mike Meisner would ever accept the, call, the, the, the gift of salvation, without ever knowing, well, he knew, but without any guarantee, he went to the cross for me and for you. He told the Israelites, Moses said, he said, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were greater than all the other nations on earth. He said, in fact, you were the least. See, that's where we get into it. So, so maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm the least. I don't deserve God's best. I don't deserve God's answer to prayer. I don't deserve his favor. I don't deserve his blessing. And I would just simply say, you're absolutely right. You don't. And I don't, and he don't, and she don't, and you don't. We don't. But he lavishes us with his best. Why? Because he chose us. Listen, if you can grab hold of this truth, you, it will change your life. Because there's so many people that are still on that playground. They never left the playground in elementary school. And they're still looking for the acceptance of the crowd today. When all along we have a heavenly father that says, I choose you. Not because you were last and not because you're the best, but I choose you because I love you. And see, it's time to get off the playground and on the battlefield, church. So much of what people do today is for acceptance and approval. Children misbehave, and young adults, our young people act out today. Why? Because they want to fit in. They want to fit in. They want to be liked, and they want to be accepted, and that's natural. We all, we all do. And adults, you know what? It doesn't get any easier, because we have adults today that are still vying for the attention of people that they admire. And they're still, even though today we don't walk around and say, choose me, pick 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 me. We don't do that anymore. But you know what we do secretly on the inside? We've got our hands raised. And we're saying, pick me. Somebody pick me, please. Somebody just choose me. Just somebody do that. Listen, here's the good news this morning. And again, adults, we do it. We don't do the outward hand raise, but inwardly, we got people sitting here today and people watching online that have your hand raised and you're saying, somebody please pick me. So today, what do adults do? They buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't like so they can feel like they fit in. But God's different. <laughs> God's different. See, I can be a nobody in the, world's, in the eyes of the world, but yet God accepts me for who I am. Why? Just because. Just because. See, God accepts me for who I am. I don't have to be like a trained monkey to perform. He accepts me the way I am with all the warts and the, the frailties and the inconsistencies with my life. He still chooses me. I sing that song, He's Still Working on Me, because the reality is He is. Every day of my life, He's still working on me. There's still things in my life that are not Christ-like, and he works to hone and to, and to, 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 to chisel away everything that does it. It's like the, the great sculptor who takes a, a slab of marble, and he sits there, and he, begin, and, and he begins to chisel away everything that does, does not look like the statue that he's already envisioned in, his, envisioned in his mind. That's how the great sculptors do. They look at that statue, and they can see a, an image of what they want to put on that thing, and they can begin chipping away. What do they chip away? They chip away everything that doesn't resemble the image that they've envisioned. See, that's what God does when he keeps working on us. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said that it is God who has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That God has chosen the, the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. Listen, we didn't just wake up one day and decide to follow Jesus. By the time we accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit had been working on us for a long, long time to bring us to the point of decision. Before I ever called out to God, before I ever uttered a prayer, He was working on me. Why? Because He loves me. Because He loves me. Verse 8 says, but because the Lord loves you. If you don't get anything else I say in this sermon this morning, please hear me this morning. Because God loves you. I'm not generalizing things. You can say it in the, per, in the first person. Because God loves, well, Mike Mizell. Because God loves me. He chose me. It's a powerful message. Because here's the thing. We don't have to be good enough. We don't have to work hard enough for God to love us. Everything in our world today is based on uh, reciprocity. You do for me, I do for you. 
And if you don't do for me, I won't do for you. You love me, I love you. You don't love me, I won't love you. So much of our world is based on that kind of nonsense, but not so with God. He loved us then, he loves us now. Here's the thing, God can't love me more and he won't love me less than he does right now. You know what that means? That means when I wake up in the morning, if the Lord tarries, he'll love me in the morning like he does right now. You know what else it means? It means if I blow it royally tomorrow, he'll still love me tomorrow like he does today. Because he chose me and he loves me. When the devil tries to discourage me and tell me I'm not good enough, and listen, some of you have the devil that constantly sits on your shoulder and says, you're no good, you're no good, baby, you're no good. You know what I get to do? I get to say, devil, you're a liar. You're a liar. When he tells me I'm not good enough, I say, devil, you're a liar. I know I'm nothing in myself. I know I'm nothing, but, but, but God loves me anyway. And that love makes all the difference. I am somebody today because he loves me. Number two, he loves, just because he loves me, listen, I can make it. I can make it. This is where we are today. Listen, knowing that someone loves us unconditionally is a powerful motivator. So many today feel like they walk around, feel like nobody loves them. Nobody really cares for them and that struggle. So what do they do? They struggle with self-esteem and they struggle with inferiority complexes. And they don't feel like they fit in and they don't feel like they deserve the best of God. But I'm here to tell you, God chooses you. He chooses you where you are, what you're doing right now. And, and listen, if you understand that, that God loves you, it'll motivate you to live in a way that you, you never thought you could live. God loves you. He cares. In fact, he, he invites us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. When we know that someone loves us, it changes everything. I mean, you think about it. A man will get out of bed early in the morning and work the most grueling of jobs if he knows that somebody loves him. A lady will endure all kinds of hardships and sacrifices for her family and those that she cares about if she knows that somebody loves her. You see, there's something about knowing that you're loved that just motivates us to be more and to do more. Just because God loves me, I know I can make it. I might be sitting there in a moment of, of weakness and my pain and, un, and, and discomfort, and I might say, God, I don't understand. Why don't you do something? I know you can. Why don't you? I might have moments of weaknesses, but that doesn't mean he doesn't love me. And that, that love, just, that love, knowing that he loves me, just continues to motivate me to do better, to push through. Listen, there's a lot of stuff in life, if we're not careful, would really want to make us want to sit down and wave the white flag and say, I'm done. Anybody ever been to the, close to that point? You just want to wave that white flag and say, I'm done. I, I, I can't do it anymore. But when you know that God loves you unconditionally, you have that oomph to keep fighting to keep getting up every morning, to keep facing the challenges. Listen, because God loves me, I can endure more. There are going to be trials and tribulations. Paul, or excuse me, David said in Psalm 23, 4, there'll be deep, dark valleys of life that you and I will go through. But he said, I'll not fear because you are with me. See, he doesn't just push me through the hard times of life and say, good luck, I'll meet you on the other side. He walks with me through the deep, dark valleys of life so that I can come through those things. Because I know he loves me, I can keep going. When everything inside me says to quit, to throw the towel in, knowing that he loves me, motivates me to be the best. I told the early service, I'm, listen, my, my competition is not with another pastor or, or minister or, or a deacon or, or whomever. It's not, it's not, my competition is none of that, not another believer. My competition, you know who my competition is? It was the guy I was yesterday. That's, that's my competition. I, if I'm going to try to be better than anybody, I want to be better than I was yesterday. And if the Lord allows me to wake up in the morning, I want to be better, I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I was telling him about Brother McCoy years ago. Brother Wayne McCoy, probably mid-90s, was wanting to, bring, to attend Bethel, make this his church home. And he had called me one day and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, uh, we we want to be we want to be part of your church, he said. But I want to get your permission first, which I thought was a little bit odd. I I, I thought you know what, we we take anybody, right? I mean, I told you I'd love to have a church full of hypocrites. Uh, I mean, I need you mature folks, but I would welcome hypocrites too. And 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 I said I I said Brother McCoy, I, I don't understand what you're what you're saying. He said, Well, there's some places that don't want another pastor to be there. They feel like it's too much competition. And it kind of hurt my heart a little bit because I, I, I had never thought like that. And I said, Brother McCoy, 
I said, I don't, I, I don't look at you as a competition. I look at you as an asset. And I said, man, I welcome you. And, man, that guy was a tremendous asset to this body for many, many years. See, I'm, what I'm saying is that we've we got to be very careful. When we know that somebody loves us, we can be more and do more than we ever thought possible. And I'm not comparing myself to this one over here, this one over here, this one here, those up there. I'm not comparing to any of those. My only comparison is to what I was yesterday. Because I know he loves me, I can, I can make it. I can endure. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have tribulation, trials. But then he said, be of good cheer. I've not got there yet. I've not been cheerful in my persecution. <laughs> I've, not been, I've not been cheerful, you know, what did James say, count it all joy. I've not made it to that level yet. Because when I'm hurting, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm hurting. <laughs> I'm hurting. You know, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. I know that's not what it means. I'm being silly. But, but because I know he loves me, I can make it. Last thing is this. Because he loves me, here's the thing. I'm somebody. I'm somebody. Can you, can you, can you say that this morning? I'm somebody. Can you say that? Say, I'm somebody. You online say it. Comment it. Write it out. I'm somebody. Because we need to hear that. Because he loves us, I am somebody. The world wants to discount us and write us off. But because he loves me, listen, I'm not a loser. I'm not a nobody. I'm not a failure. I'm somebody this morning just because God loves me. His love makes me somebody. And his love will make you somebody. Too many people wallowing in self-misery because they think nobody likes me. And they, their theme song is gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, you know, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck. Some of these young people are like, what in the world? <laughs> Go home and YouTube hee-haw. <laughs> or that song... Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Might as well eat some worms. Go home on YouTube and I'm telling you. <laughs> Listen, it's not the degrees on the wall that make you somebody. It's not the car that you drive. It's not the house you live in. It's not the trophies that you've won or the accolades that have been bestowed upon you. It's not the clothes that you wear, the money that's in your bank. It's not the size of the church that we attend. That makes us somebody. What makes me somebody is because he chose me and he loves me. You see, one day he looked down at my filthy rags of right, my self-righteousness. He said, let me clean you up, boy. And he took off those garments that were stained with my own humanity. And he clothed me with his righteousness. Amen. And when I stand before my father, I'm not standing there in my merit. I'm standing there with the righteousness of Christ that has clothed me. Because he loves me. Because he chose me. You know what I am? I'm an heir and a joint heir. Because he loves me. I've got king's blood running through my veins. Because he chose me. Because he loves me while I was yet a sinner. And you know what the call is to anyone? Whosoever will, let him come. He's calling even now for people to come. And if you know that, man, doesn't that help you get up and to and to keep fighting every day. Listen, again, it's, we have to face it. When God found us, we were lost. We were undone. We were without God and His Son. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. The stench of sin was all over our lives. But you know what He did? He pulled us out of the miry pit. The psalmist said, He set my feet on a firm foundation. And He gave me a new song. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine, all to thee. That's what he did. He gave me a new song. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was a nobody. I was sin-laden. I was bound for hell. But yet he rescued me. He reached down and grabbed me in the depths of sin and depravity. And he saved me and he clothed me with his righteousness. And he set me on a foundation and gave me a new song because he loves me. And he loves you. Listen, you need to start flipping that devil off. I mean, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Am I red yet? 
Flick him off is what. <laughs> hey, if your faith lets you flip him off, I don't care. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> okay, boy, that just ruined everything. <laughs> Listen, don't let the devil sit there all day long and beat you over the head and tell you that you're worthless. Your value is not assigned based on what he says about you. It's who he says you are. I love what Paul said this in Romans chapter 8. He said, who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? And again, some of us can find our identities right now. We're going through some of these things. But Paul said, even that doesn't separate you. Shall, dist- shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And you see, here's the key right here. Paul says, for I am persuaded. In your place of misery right now, if you're here today and you're going through the ringer, are you persuaded in the know, down in the recesses of your knower, do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt? Can you say with Paul, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you, can, if you are persuaded this morning, it doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter the bad phone calls you might get in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside. On the inside, we're being renewed every day by the, 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 the pneuma of the Holy Spirit. We're being, in, uh, we're, we're being blown upon with the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit because there's nothing that can take you out when he, writ- when he writes your name down. He chooses you. You're somebody today. Guys, come on back. Listen, when you think no one cares, remember God does. No one, God cares. God cares. He loves you. When you're facing those storms of life, remember that you can make it just because he loves you. When you're tempted to give in to temptation or sin, just remember that you can overcome because he loves you. Listen, he doesn't just save us and shoot us out in the pinball of life, bouncing from pillar to post. He gives us the, the power of the Holy Spirit to be more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Did you get that? Who loved us? If you're here today and you don't know Christ, or you, maybe you tuned in this morning, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Listen, I say it all the time. You can't have the benefit of the family without being a part of the family. You can't have the abiding presence and power of the Holy Spirit without a relationship with Him. What does that entail? Well, it's pretty simple. Pretty simple. We have to come acknowledging that we're a sinner in need of a Savior, believe that Christ paid the ultimate price for us and confess our sin, and He's faithful and just to forgive it's a simple process, but it has eternal consequences or eternal implications. You think, man, why would he do that for me? Maybe you're part of that crowd I mentioned. You wonder, why would God do anything for me? Because he loves you. John three sixteen, one of the most famous verses of all time. Even unbelievers can quote John three sixteen. They don't have a clue what it means. For God so loved the world. That's very generalized. I like to say, for God so loved Mike. (laughs) That he gave his only son, only begotten. That if Mike would simply believe, he'd have eternal life. It's the same for you this morning. I know people say, well, if God is a God of love, if you really love people, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, the truth of the matter is because he loves us, you know what he does? He gives us another option. He gives us another option. We, we owned the, pen, the penalty of sin. We owned hell as our destination because we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But he did something different. He gave us an alternative. He looked down on our depravity and he said, Father, I'll go and I'll pay the price. I'll pay it for Mike. 
I'll pay for Terry. I'll pay for Curly. I'll pay for Rebecca. I'll go down and I'll pay the price. I'll do it for Josh. I'll do it for Taylor. I'll, I'll do it for them because I love them. And even though I don't have a promise that they'll accept what I have done, I'll go and do it anyway because he loved me. So he doesn't send any. He does everything that he can. And we sit here and we say, you know what? But I'm going through something right now. I don't understand why God doesn't come through. Listen, God's done everything that he possibly can. He came down. He paid the price for our sin. He gave us the opportunity for eternity in heaven. He became one of us. He, the incarnation, he became, he became one of us. He, he died on a sinner's cross. He was buried. Three days later, he came out of the grave. Forty days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where the Bible says right now, he's our advocate and our intercessor. But then he gave us a promise. He said, but I'm going to go away. But I am coming back. And I'm coming back to take you to a place that I've already gone to prepare for you. So that where I am there, you may be also. And you think about that place that he's gone to prepare. In that place, there won't be any more uh, back problems and kidney stones and cancer treatment. And there won't be any more dialysis. And there won't be any more diabetes. And there won't be any more uh, uh, glaucoma. And there won't be any more of these other things. In that place, there's no sickness and there's no sorrow. And there's no dying. And there's no infirmities there. In that place, he's already done it. He's already done it. And we're just somewhere in between. But it's already been established when he's coming back. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die. Our appointment's already set. If you're a believer and born again, when that appointment comes, you leave this world of temporary existence, this outer shell of this tabernacle fades away for something more permanent and eternal. The Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We go be up there with him. If you live until he comes and that trumpet sounds, what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15? He said, you know what? He said, this mortal body <laughs> must put on immortality. And this corruptible body must put on incorruption. We are changed in an instant. Amen. He's already done it. He's already established that place. He's just saying, you know what? I love you. And because I love you, you can make it until I come. You can hang in there until I come. I know there are times that you feel like I'm not there, but I'm with you through the deep, dark valleys of life. No need to fear, because I'm walking with you. Listen, you can make it. I want you, to, I want you to stand with me this morning. This message may not resonate with anybody here this morning. I had two people in early service said, Pastor, that was exactly what I needed to hear today. Listen, sometimes we get caught up in those things that happen to us. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking very honestly with you this morning. There are times that I've sat there in so much pain with, with the back issues that I've had and the kidney stuff going on, and I've said, God, I don't understand. I've dedicated my life. You ever do that? You ever bargain with God? <laughs> you know, I've dedicated my life. I serve you. I do all I can. I've you know, at this stage of my life, you know, trying to play that card. All along, deep down on, inside, I know that he loves me with an everlasting love. When my wife had her stroke, he gave me a peace during that time that has never left me. It surpasses understanding. I can't explain it. But again, because I'm allergic to pain, when I sit there in those, in that, in those painful moments and I, I cry out to God, I'm, I'm like, God, I don't understand. But again, I always come back to the truth that just because he loves me, I can keep going. Just because he loves me, I can endure. I can be more and do more than I've ever done before just because he loves me. And I just, I just as we close this morning, I want you to hear me. God chooses you. You may have gone through a really ugly divorce and they, they may have told you, whether it's him or her, they may have told you, I don't choose you anymore. I don't love you anymore. And maybe the sting of that still rings in your ears. God sent me today to tell you I choose you. Not because you're better than anybody else. Not because you've got it all together. I choose you because I set my love upon you. I choose you. Maybe you're going through some really tough times right now. Health-wise, financially, relationally. Maybe there's things going on in your family. And you're like Gideon, you're like, 
okay, God, if this is what, what it means to be chosen, I don't see it. I don't get it. What I would tell you this morning is to be persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Trials, tribulation, persecution, none of that can take away his commitment to love you to the very end. As we sing this morning, if you're here today and say, Pastor, you know what? I need that reminder today. I need that reminder that I'm chosen of God. He loves me. I want you to come. I want you to come and just say, Lord, I don't understand all that's going on in my life. I don't understand the the difficult days. You told me they would come. I don't understand it. But I'm receiving your love, and I'm going to anchor myself in your love, what I know. I want you to just do that. And then I'm going to give you something this morning. This is not a bribe. I know I've, I've, I've struggled with this. I'm not bribing you to come to the altar. But what I'm going to do is when you come down and say, you know what, I, I choose his love. I'm going to give you this heart that has a cross in it. It's a little pendant. So that every time you see it, whether you put it on a, a, a charm bracelet, a necklace, put it in your wallet, whatever you do, every time you see that, I want you to understand God chose you and he loves you. And no matter what you're going through at that moment, his love will motivate you to be more and to do more and to go through. So this morning, go ahead and sing. And as they sing, if you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm struggling with some inferiority stuff. I'm struggling with some identity things right now. Well, come on and surrender and give it to Jesus.
bless the Lord this morning. You are loved by him, church. You're loved by him. I was flipping through the scriptures here. One of my favorite, Isaiah, Isaiah 44. He says, I have chosen you. I've chosen you. He said, don't remember, in chapter 43, he said, don't remember the former things, nor even consider the things of old. Why? He said, because I do something new among you. Early on in that chapter, 43, verse 1, Isaiah says, he's talking to Israel, but I think it would be speak to us today. He said, he says here, this is my, my, my paraphrase. He said, here's what I say to you. I'm the one who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, your mind. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And in the 44, he again reiterates I choose you 
Again, I want you to walk out of here today and I want you there at home to grab hold of that truth. He chooses you today. And you know what? He'll do it tomorrow and he'll do it the day after. And knowing that he has chosen you, let that motivate you. The Bible says having this knowledge, how do we do? We purify ourselves. We live holy and righteous lives in this darkened world. That's how we become witnesses to the lost around us. That's how we become that solution to the darkness around us. People say, what's this hope that you have? You can say, let me tell you. Listen, I love you with all my heart this morning. Like John writes, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be good health even as your soul prospers. That's my heart's desire for you. But for us as a body, let's rise and work. Let's rise and work. There are people that are struggling. Let them know that he loves them. If you're struggling, he loves you. You want one of these charms? Come see me. I'll give it to you because I want you to know all the time he loves you. He chooses you. Not because you're good, not because you're pretty, but because he loves you, plain and simple. Father, today I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you that you chose us while we were yet sinners. While we were lost and undone, away from you, you still came. Lord, you came. Help us today to grab hold of this eternal truth. Not just something that we hear on Sunday, but let us live it out the rest of the week, Lord, that you choose us. And because you choose us, because you choose us, we can do more, be more than we've ever been before. That love motivates us to keep on keeping on, to not throw the towel in, to not quit. Lord, give us that resilience of our lives. Let us walk out of here, Lord, committed to that love that transcends and that peace that surpasses. Go with us now, I pray. Give us a great day. I bless each one. I love each one. I pray your favor and anointing would rest upon them whatever they go, wherever they go and whatever they do. May they be blessed and anointed and may others see that. Thank you for it all in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I'll see you next time. God bless you and I love you very much.
Is it something you can change? 